Ciao ragazzi and welcome to Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your calcio to go. A two-man crew tonight, Frank Ravello here, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, uh, I got my voice back, how are you? Yeah, you're talking. I'm talking, I'm talking. That was, uh, I never had laryngitis before, uh, I, don't, I haven't, my voice isn't 100% yet, but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad to have my voice back. Very uh, that, it's very weird not having your voice. It was fun having to sit down all to myself last week for that <laughs> short period. For that, you did well. You, know, you did well. Quick, quick thing I came on for. Yeah, I didn't. Even, I didn't expect anybody to come into the chat, and we had a couple couple people in the chat bringing up some points and yeah, that sort of thing. So we certainly appreciated those gentlemen. We got Anthony already uh, locked and loaded and ready to go. I think he gets here before we do. He does most times. He does. It'd be nice if you got the show ready for us. You know that would help too. Yeah, yeah. Probably what you know. Yeah. So, so, uh, so good to have you, Anthony. Hey, if you are uh, tuning in, please check in with us in the chat. Uh, be glad to hear from you. Drop any questions or any thoughts on what you saw uh, over the course of match week eighteen, over the course of this Super Copa, uh, Copa Italia. If that's your bag, uh, Napoli getting eliminated yesterday. Um, so you know, quite a few things to unpack. We can take a quick peek at. Any movement in the Mercato in January, uh, breaking news, nothing really of consequence, um, at least anything to this point. And uh, we will top it off with the world's most popular hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter. So, yeah. okay, so I got on here and um, did the solo shot, did the solo act last week, Richard, was all, you know, in talking about this Napoli Juve game and was just kind of going along with this Juve one nilling everybody to death and that here we go, that's what they're gonna do. <laughs> Five one to Napoli uh at the Diego Armando Maradona. Um let's start there. All right. Um first of all, I, I you know, we'll talk about Napoli because we're gonna sing their praises even. First of I'm- all, good good for you to own up to it for right on the beginning of the, of the podcast. So I love it. I love it. Well, I was 5-1 Napoli in anyone's range of outcomes? No. I mean, no. maybe even the most ardent, not Raf and Raf, I, I'll guarantee you. No, Her I predicted a win for Napoli, but I did not predict 5-1 by any stretch. I picked one goal victory, but. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, and, and, and that's really what we're talking about here. Yeah. Juventus were given an idiot-proof blueprint for how to handle Napoli from Inter, just just what nine days before they had to play them? Yeah, yeah. You know, and we talked about that maybe Juventus's back three wasn't going to be as physical with with Napoli as Inter was. Well, they they weren't, um, and and it cost them dearly that they might defend them in a little bit of a different way. But they they at least had something to draw from, you know, when Inter beat them. Yeah. Um, but. Man, oh man! I mean, I the 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 playing out of the back from Juventus was childlike. I mean, my son's teams play better out of the back than than Juventus did on Friday. And it has uh, to be Bremer's worst game as a professional. Careless ever. giveaways, easily Bremer's worst performance as a yeah. Juventus player, um, and uh, just 
incredible. I mean, and, and, and the crazy thing was, it was 2-1 at halftime. Juventus was still in it. And there were glaring problems with their ability to play out of the back and with Napoli's pressing, yet Allegri never adjusted. Did that shock you? Yes, it did. But I mean, like the first half, you know, it's it was two one, like you said, and it was whiskers away from being two two. Chiesa had that shot right right yeah. before halftime that deflected off of Rahmani, and Moret made a fantastic save on it. I mean, had he not made that save, that could have changed the way the game played. I mean, I thought Juventus did well early on the first half. Um, after every goal, they they came back strong. Um, but yeah, second half came out and Napoli continued doing what they do, and there was no adjustment whatsoever. All the weaknesses that Napoli exposed in the first half, they continue to do, and there's no adjustments. And uh, my goodness, that defense uh, did not look like the best defense in, in the league. No, no, but not by any stretch. I mean, it's just crazy to sit that we're sitting here talking about this, that, you know, coming into that game through the first 17 games, they only conceded seven goals. And in seven. one game, they give up five. Woo. I mean, so there's no way. Five ones in any one range of outcomes, as I said. And Danilo and Alexandro weren't any better. Um, I mean, the whole back three stunk. Uh, I thought, and, and Lisi and I were kind of back and forth on some Twitter replies about it. And Lisi brought up Lisi brought up a point that, you know, that I agreed with that the Chiesa, starting playing Chiesa from the start was a gamble that failed. Um, that position too, as a wing back. Yeah, uh, that should have been a situation. Um, Honestly, Chiesa in this environment is a guy that you bring on at minute 60 if the game's still close and let him go and try to solve the game for you and get you something out of it. Not a not a play from the start where he's not really a defender and he can't give Danilo any help whatsoever with Paratskalia. No. Um, I thought it was just a... I thought it was a criminal lineup that, that Allegri put out. And then when he had the chance to adjust, I mean... Basically, I'm looking at this, and okay, if I'm Juve's manager, which I'll never be, but if I'm 2-1 down at halftime, knowing that I practically just got spanked out of the park by by this team, but I'm in a position where, hey, <laughs> that's as bad as it gets, and we're still in it. Yep. You know, some adjustments, some direct play. Uh, you know, trying to maybe find Milik more as a direct target. And I don't know how much Napoli or Juve tried to do that. They tried doing a lot of playing out of the back and they got dispossessed. And if you're, and if you're trying to play through the lines and trying to play through the midfielder, you, you tell me in this Juventus team who you want to play through that's going to pull the strings and dictate things. None of those guys can do that. McKenny, Locatelli, Rabio. No, it would have been if it was me as a manager, I would have put Di Maria because Di Maria was by far the best player for Juventus. Put him in that 10 role, put Chiesa on the right-hand side with Kostic on the left-hand side if you want to have Chiesa start from the beginning. Uh, Di Maria was the only one who could do whatever he wanted to do, really. He just got swarmed out of, out of the ballpark every time he got the ball. He cre- he nearly hit a – after the first goal, he nearly scored a goal, hit off the crossbar. Uh, after yeah. the second goal, he scored the goal. So, I mean, he was he was lively in the match, but that was about it. Yeah. I mean, this was next-level next tragic from Juventus, yeah. which almost makes you wonder – you know, as we talk about Juventus a little bit further, you know, all of these 1-0 wins and you're starting to think they're going to just 1-0 everybody to death on the way to winning the title. Because that's I was starting to really think that with some of the way, with the way that some of their games were going. Yeah. But it turns out that they were just a team that was just 
begging to be tagged and they got tagged. I mean, they've been tagged plenty in the Champions League. They yeah. went to Benfica and, and, and Benfica shipped four past them. Yeah. PSG had their way with them. Even Maccabi Haifa had their way with them. You know, and you thought that maybe now that that was done, they were focusing on some league games. They were finding ways to win some games that they got things cleaned up a little bit. And they had Inter's blueprint, like I said, for how they could beat Napoli if they wanted to. And it just complete, it was a complete collapse, um, which just is, it's just, it was, it was astonishing. Now, um, and I agree with you. I thought Di Maria was the best player for Juventus. Um, and everybody else was below average. It was it was disappointing. I, I think I can probably point out Chesney was actually yeah he he allowed five to go in. It's it's a wonder how many. It's a question how many of those were actually his fault. Maybe the first one, but I don't even know if he can do that. I don't know if he can no. be at fault for that. That's a great strike from Kvaratz Kelly. It's a great save by Chesney. It just it happened to fall to Osimhen. Um, so you know, let's flip over to the Napoli side. Osimhen is doing what we thought he would do last year if he didn't get hurt. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's Absolutely. really Absolutely. really what it is. It's just, you know, he's arriving a year late and uh he started know, but, out with a bang last year, right? He just he got injured and then it, you never got to see, but we saw a glimpse of what he could bring in and this year he's bringing it. <laughs> yep. Yep, agreed. Daniel Peters is is with us. He says thinks a lot of players like a lot of player psychology Osimhen got in their heads and they knew Scoring is not their strength, therefore defense is placed under even greater pressure. Well, we talked about that. Osimhen against Bremer was the was the match within the match, and yeah. and Osimhen won it running away. Um, so, Kvaratskhelia uh, scoring a couple, you know, you know, being in the right place at the right scoring that after Osimhen did a great job of pressing Bremer into a mistake, um, and then uh, y- you know the rest of it, the way it all unfolded. Great goal from Rahmani. Yeah. Um, up the corner kick. That's that's a striker's goal scored by a center back. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Well, well taken there. You know, so Osimhen uh, at this point. I, I, I mean, Capocannonieri right now, and I don't know if anybody has a shot at him. Do you? What What do you think? Yeah, not the way Napoli is playing at the moment. I mean, because it's not just Osimhen, it's Havarshelia who's, who's supplying the goals and assists, and so they're constantly feasting. It's not just those two; they also got other players around them that are, are feeding them the ball. And so you would think, you know, of all the teams that have these top goal scorers and 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 the, the style of play they're they're at the moment, the current form, he by far is the runaway for the Capocana area at the moment. Now it doesn't mean he won't dry up, and doesn't mean someone else won't get hot. Lautaro is starting to get hot. He started off the second half of the season very hot so who knows you know he he could be a long shot right but um you would have to if i was a betting man which i'm not because i always lose but i would say osiman's got to be the favorite for the for the capoconieri yeah i mean he's on 12 through 18 the closest to him is nine and there's a few guys that have got there's a few guys that have got nine including lotaro um uh and then also Mbalenzola from spezia that is the quietest nine goals in 18 games yeah yeah i know um but uh but but that's uh you know, th- those are some of the contenders right now that are in position. I mean, his own teammate, Kvaratskhelia, is on seven. Uh, Lookman's on nine uh, for Atalanta. Yeah, that's a nice point, um, Maybe he got, I, he got seven of them on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Salernitana. As we're talking, Atalanta just scored another goal on Salernitana. And they just fired David Nicola again and then hired him back. <laughs> for the Do you see what time. I said to that? Yeah, I did. Oh, my gosh. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Salernitana, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> you know I hit you because I love you. Oh. <laughs> and Lisi, I think, was like, oh, Syria's going to Syria. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no Palermo and, days there. Yeah, and Bonetti was saying that uh, – that, that that Zabrini is in, is up in is, is somewhere in heaven smiling down at this. And I said, I think I told him, I said, I think Zamperini is actually jealous because I don't think Zamperini, Zamperini, at least on record, ever sacked a manager and brought him back that fast. Yeah, not that fast. Yeah. The, the one that I remember most was when he was at you know at Palermo when he sacked Delio Rossi. And then he hired Cersei Cosme and then call and then Cosme goes out and loses I think it was seven nil to Udinese. And I think in the middle of that game, Zamparini called Delio Rossi up and asked him, I said, I'm I'm sacking this guy and I want you back. Will you come back? And I was like 30 yeah. days. Yeah. So I think that that was like the quick, that, that's the quickest rehire that Zamparini did that I know. Yeah. There might be some, there might be some quicker, but I don't think he ever had something turned around in two days. Unreal. Unreal. Unless, uh, you know, there's one that we don't know where they were in a conference room and, he sacks a manager, and then the manager's getting ready to go. Come back, box his stuff back. up, and he comes back. And he goes into his office and said, "You know what? I'm not going to sack you. Yeah, I need <laughs> so, you. I need your bud. Yeah, so and I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, you know, he he probably did something like that. So, uh, but let's let's jump back to this. Okay, so all seamen right now. Just in Kabukan and Yeti form. Really, the only thing stopping him is another injury. Yeah. Uh, and knock on wood, I. I as as a as as a supporter of a team that's trying to tra- run Napoli down, I don't want to see that. Don't want to no. win that. Don't don't no. want to win a title that way. Um, you know, so hopefully he can stay fit. Uh, you know, for the next, you know, for the run in. Um, Kvaratz Kalia, uh, just just sick. What this guy's done. I mean, but we also said at the beginning of the season, though, Richard, we said. Not surprised. We're we probably are the only ones that that are doing a Serie A podcast that are not surprised by any of this from him. And we yep. get we you know I'm not going to go into repetition over what our reasons were for that. Um, where we had p- other people um, on other podcasts saying that he's the breakout, going to be the breakout star of the season. And I said, well, duh. Um, I said that's you know I said he's he's going to walk right in. He's going to walk right into a situation where he's going to take things by storm because of where he's been before, and now he can't be keyed on. And especially with all semen fit, there's no mm-hmm. way you can key on both of them. So no, no. But you got to go back, and in an era where Mikhailo Mudrik is going from Shakhtar to Chelsea for a hundred million, and some of these other ridiculous transfer fees, Napoli got Cavada for ten million euros. Ten a steal. Ten. I guarantee Murdick Mur- is not going to be as i mean he's gonna be he could be fantastic we don't know but yeah is it i mean at minimum or maximum he'll probably be doing level what cavrachelia is doing and he's cost 10 million you know did de Laurentiis have his cigarette during that deal or after that's the only question we have to <laughs> before during and after we have to ask so but it made you wonder like you know going back you know Steel of steels transfers right now. Kvaric Kelly is shaping up to be that. Yeah, you know, you sent me a long list of transfers from 99, 1996 and what yeah. players were going for, and Zidane going for 3.2 oh, uh, from Bordeaux to Juventus. Can you believe that? That's ridiculous. It wasn't even crazy, right? So, if you like even go further back and we stick with Napoli because Napoli, we're talking about uh, number 77, you know, they got Maradona for what, like, I think. 10, 10 to 13 million euros back then. Now, great. That was a big number back then. 
but yeah, you said Zidane. Look at the, some of the numbers here. So Ronaldo, the R9, right? 12.8 from Barcelona, right? That's that's pretty good looking at today's market. Uh, Rivaldo, fantastic player for club. 5.4 million. Um, yeah. Hakan Sukar, 5.1 million, right? Another great player. Romario, 4.8 million. Uh, Seydorf, 3.2. You talked about Zidane already. Chiesa, the, the, the father, 10 million. Um, uh, Marcus or Lilian Taram, 4.5 million. Uh, Jorkaev, 3.3.6. I mean, it, it list goes on and on. Uh, a little bit, a little bit more expensive guys in uh, in England, but not much. I mean, Alan Shearer, legend there, 15 million euros. So, I mean, this is a steal what you're getting from Havrashiel, and that's just for one year there, too. You so, know? so 10 million euros today. So, what would Kvaratskhelia have gone for in like 1996, like a couple of goats and a couple of sheep or something his, like that? His right? team would have paid them to take <laughs> I mean, it's cr- free I mean, loan, free transfer. It's astonishing. I mean, that a player of that talent and, and it's just, I mean, astonishingly unbelievable business the way it's turning out. Yeah. Um, I, the, 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 the other, the other, uh, I mean, the only other, as far as bargain transfer fees, because I think back in the mid nineties, you know, 3.2, in the mid '90s, is probably 70 million now. When you're talking about the the multitude of the of of what what transfers are, right. so I, the the nearest I would come to as far as great business, Milan didn't get Kaká for very much. That's true. Um, That's true. I, I, and and he wound on to go on. He he, he went on to go and winning the uh, Ballon d'Or. Yeah, Sheva cost a uh, bit more. He's like twenty-four million, I believe. But right, uh, Kaká was really not much at all. Right. I mean, so they they got him for very little. So that's probably that's probably the the quickest comparison when you're talking about modern football and you're talking about some of this stuff. So um, I'm trying to feel to feel out some other ones. I know Atalanta got Ilicic for super cheap. Yeah. Um, Under ten, he got like five million, maybe I think. Right, and you know, yeah. Ilicic only you know Ilicic gave them a couple of good seasons, and then he was in, injury prone. Yeah, um, you know, but you you just try to rack your brain over some of the other city transfers that you look at, and you're just like madness, um, and and seeing how it paid off, and you go back and you look at the fees, and you're just like, really that that's all that's all you paid for him, huh? Yeah. So it's it's just it's just fascinating. It's it it is without it's- a doubt the. The best tran- the the best transfer relative to cost. And it's funny too, because people were giving Napoli stick on the flip side with Ossiman, what they pay 80 million euros for him, thinking, what the hell are you paying? Why is he spending this kind of money on him? You see why yeah. now. And you know, Murdick is costing what 100 million euros. I think Nima and, and Carlo were saying on their pod that you know Ossiman could easily go for 150. And I agree. I mean, at this rate, his quality, yes, he can go for a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. They could Napoli would make their money probably double it from what they paid for him. So I mean, that's how good a form he's in right now, and how 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 excellent he's playing. Put yourself in De Laurentiis's office, then. If one of the big clubs ever wanted to come for Kvaratskhelia, mm-hmm. um, at what number do you, what number do they have to tell you for you to agree to selling them? They, he would pull a Cairo probably, and he would be like, "You have to give me 150 million euros minimum." I would say, and I think he'd be crazy not to take anything less. Honestly, the I'm, way Osiman Osiman. I'm there, hundred, hundred and fifty in that range, sure. Especially if he um, continues on, you know, for the rest of the season, having these gaudy numbers, and then you know, if he plays again next year with them and produces once again, why not? 
So it brings me to the conversation. I mean, if we really want to split hairs at this Napoli team, I mean, a couple of things. Yeah, and Daniel says 100 plus, and yeah, I think we're all we're all in agreement on that. Yeah. Um, if you really want to split hairs, um, if one of them gets injured. For a sustained period of time, I'll see men in Kvaraj Kalia. This is this is why you come to City I sit down because these are the questions that we ask and these are the conversations that we have. Um, we don't do the low hanging fruit thing. So if you want, if you, who can Napoli live without should a long term injury happen to them? I'll see men or Kvaraj Kalia. Ooh, that's that's tough. I would say, I would say. They can live without Osiman because Simeone is on the backup. He's a fantastic striker. Raspadori. Raspadori can score goals as well. And we've seen them being successful with Raspadori in, in, the, in the false nine. Um, Havraskela, you obviously have Elmas. He's fantastic, right? They got the, the young kid. I forget his name too. He's pretty good. But they're not him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's such a game changer. And he draws so much focus away from Osiman to be allow him to be free. Um, and I think Osiman is a fantastic striker. I do. Uh, but I think they would be hurting a little bit less if Osman went down versus uh, uh, Kavara because though they have talent at the left wing position, they're not as close. I think the strikers that are backing up Osman are closer to his level versus you know Kavara and, and everybody else on the team. Okay, I I, I can go with that. Hmm. Um, I'll go with I'll go with Kavara too for now. Okay. Um. Also because I think that, you know, Raspadori has proven himself, Simeone has proven himself in, in, in certain environments and in games where they didn't have Kvara to their left. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that's that's worth noting. And Raspadori is a little versatile. He can play in the nine or he can play off to the left. Um, you know, so, you know, at I think in Ossiman injury, Napoli just kind of tweak – what they do as far as creating around the penalty area, there's maybe less aerial service where all Siemens pretty dynamic. There's maybe less wide service and maybe things get played through the nine uh, and then off to midfielders and then off to the wingers uh, with, with Simeone and with Raspadori in there, or maybe not. Um, so where all Siemens, it's, I mean, the thing I've always been a huge fan of, he just, he's so clever with his, He's Box a great runner. Yes, yes. Um, he's so clever with it. I mean, his running, I his running off the ball is on the level, or, or maybe just below versus behind Halan, Lewandowski, Benzema. Those those great that's strikers. Those guys, those guys. I was going to bring up. I mean, yeah. if he can, if he can continue this kind of level for the next couple of years, he deserves to sit at the same table at those as those guys: Halan, Lewandowski, uh, Benzema. Uh, with with what they do in the box and with where they position themselves and the problems they can give defenders, no pro- no question. And here's the argument for Olsen as why he would be the more bigger loss is because he is doing so much this season. He's physical this year. He's got the pace. He's got the intelligence, um, and he's scaring the best defenders in the world in the city. Ah, let me just look what he did to the, the top defense in, in Juventus, and they all look like amateurs against him. Um, and it's his constant pressure on the on the ball carrier, uh, making those runs. They don't know where the hell he's going to be. Uh, you take him out of the picture. I mean, you take out Cavada, you could probably put you could probably put also Raspadori over there, right? Uh, I think Austin brings, 
he opens up that back line and scares the hell out of them. I mean, so both players do. Yeah. Both players scare the, the defenders. Uh, so you could really, I mean, if you lost both of them, you'd be in hell and shit, you know, up Shit's Creek. But I think you lose one of them, I think you're still okay because both those guys are so dynamic that they could probably carry the loss of the other. It's it's just a good problem to have if you're if you're a Spalletti. Yep, no problem, no no question. So this was one of those one of those uh, one of those questions that I was pondering. It's like you know who would they miss? Who would they miss more? Yeah. You know, at this point, I mean, and if you really want to nitpick coming back to something that I was starting to talk about a deficiency with Napoli is the right hand side, the right wing. Um, in my opinion, uh, I, I don't think Politano's done it. I don't think Lozano's done it enough. Um, what do you think about that side? I mean, if we're going to split hairs and try to find weaknesses in, the, in this Napoli team, I think that's probably the position. Yeah, but. I mean- I think they can afford. I think they can afford to be weak there with everything else going on around them. I mean, it's arguably the weakest position, and it's not a bad position to be weak in. Um, mm-hmm. What you saw from Spalletti against Juventus, I thought was brilliant because what we saw is we saw Mario Rui and Di Lorenzo both pushing up very, very high, forcing Labotka to drop back uh, to help out in the back three. Back essentially became a back three, um, yeah. and so Politano would drop back behind uh, Di Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo is the one pushing up forward, and so doing that helps out having the weakness in the in the right wing. I mean, Politano and Lozano on their day will, will play well, but they're not as consistent as everybody else, I would say, in the attack. Mm. And so, yeah, that's, that's a weakness for sure. I think Di Lorenzo's game has gotten better, that it it's not as big of a weakness as you would say, you know, Politano or, or Lozano, not that they're not good players. And Mario Ruiz having a fantastic career, a fantastic season this year. Uh, yeah. So it's just, yeah, if you're going to pick, pick, you know, Pick hairs is probably going to be that that right wing position, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's a deep team. It's a very deep team. And we want to come back to Kyle's point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Lobotka was terrific in this game too. Um, he was my man of the match. If you look at his heat map, it's like he, he everywhere almost, he almost never left the middle of the park. He didn't have to. It's just insane. Um, you know, I would ball put, winning. I would put, I would put Labotka and Nagisa before Osimhen and Cavada in that game. Uh, okay, for players of the game, they I were think, fantastic. I mean, it, it, because of them, Juventus practically got nothing. Yeah, um, it, it, you know, the, the the one goal from Di Maria, and that's about it. Um, which brings me to you know talking about which brings me talking about Napoli's midfield because this was a conversation I got into with a couple of people. You know, Jorginho's contract is at the end of uh, at Chelsea is at the end of the season. There's little whispers that he would entertain returning back to returning to Napoli. I don't think he gets in this team. I don't think the setup a, is right. As a death player, as a death player, <laughs> they, he's not he's starting. Not, I, well, no, and, and that's just my point, and that's the argument that I made. I said I don't. I said if this was still Saudi's Napoli, absolutely, he, the deep lying regista that he was under Saudi, yes. But I, this is built differently under Spalletti, and I don't think a player of his functions would fit. Yeah. Um, if I've got Napoli people listening to this, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. I don't think a Jorginho 2.0 is successful under this current setup. No, no. And I think they, they function so well, the three right now, Anguisa, Lobotka, and, and Zelensky. At times you saw Anguisa playing the Kessie role where he was the, 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 uh, the most forward uh, midfielder, pressing them, causing turnovers, and, and Zelensky dropping back to help out with Lobotka with the passing and everything like that. And they keep switching it up, and they're so fluid. They know where each other are. 
Uh, they they know the role so well. Abaka was just cleaning everything up, and Gisa is just a, a monster in that midfield. And, and Zelensky is just, you know, passing balls off left and right. Like, you know, just keep it going. Keep the play going. And they yep. were so – at midfield did so well with one – I mean, the whole team did. But midfield, the one-two touch passing, constant pressure when they lost the ball, that second ball pressure that they were providing. It was unreal. Juventus could not string two passes together to save their lives. No, they couldn't. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was really difficult. I think. So then let's, you know, let's ask this as long as we're on the topic of Jorginho. So if he doesn't fit, if, if he, he ends his contract at Chelsea, doesn't renew, wants to come back to Italy, best fit in Serie A for Jorginho. Lazio. Lazio? I like that. Sorry. He's with sorry. They're missing a Regista type player. I mean, that's really, if you can keep on, hold on to Luis Alberto and, and SMS. Why not? And that's what is that's what he's been missing for his team since he's been there. They need someone. I like that. Lucas Leva, uh, the other guys that they had, they don't quite fit the bill, I think. And and having him there, a passer who can just spread the ball to everybody, to his attackers who they have, like Immobile, why not? Danilo Cataldi, when given the opportunities, has been okay, but he's not yeah. Jorginho. <laughs> no, no, no. So I like that. Lazio, that's a great shout. Yeah. I, I, I just... I don't want to say Juventus, although <laughs> if he comes back to Italy, that's probably where he ends up. Um, but would Allegri play him like the right wing back or something stupid like he did Kies and everybody else he does? You know, that's just the ruin problem, him. You know, that's just the problem. <laughs> I Inter, I don't. He might not see be there though. F- I don't know. Yeah, Inter, I don't see the fit. No, um, with what they've got there, Milan, I don't see the fit as much as I'd like to see how Milan could jam him in there. Roma. Roma's a possibility. Lazio's a po- Roma and Lazio to me would be the two best, yeah, best places for him. With maybe Lazio a little bit ahead of Roma, just because of the previous with uh, Maurizio Sarri. So, yeah. you know, you could say Atalanta, but Gasparini shuffles that deck so much. And Koopminer does so much for them. He, he likes he to play that position at times, you know, and so that would get in the way. But they can he figure does. Out. You know, I'll tell you. An interesting place would be Fiorentina, you know, where it's four three three under Italiano. But does he? I mean, that would be a by Jorginho's standards and where he's played and the level that he's been at. With all due respect, to Fiorentina, that would be a downgrade move for him. Yeah. So, um, you know, so so we'll see. But yeah, I love the Lazio shot. I think that makes I think that makes great sense. So. Um, we're going to jump back to the rest of match week 18 here momentarily, but let's shuffle over to, um, what's kind of been the cherry on a shit cake of a week here for Milan, uh, <laughs> losing in the Supercopa to Inter by three goals to nil. Uh, it was, uh, Di Marco, it was Jekko, it was Lotaro Martinez, uh, winning the Supercopa for Inter, um, I'm not saying this just because I'm a Milan fan. I'm saying this because I legitimately feel this way. I, I, I've never cared about Super Cups. I didn't particularly get that excited about this one. I think a lot of it had to do is because I had a lot of work to do today too. So, um, I mean, I had it on in the background while I while I worked, and that's about it. Um, and you know, we just hear a lot of loud noise from Cordero and then from Bonetti, and then I would go and check out what happened and see Inter would score again. So. Mm-hmm. But then I, you know, just sat down and watched and I broke it down. Um, Inter deserved to win this. Um, I mean, just as as lethal as you can get on the counter. Yeah. Um, 
I thought uh, Fede Di Marco was outstanding. Um, you know, and I thought Inter in general, like I said, on the counterattack, we just absolutely split Milan apart, um, you know, throughout this game. And uh, I think it's an indictment on Fik Tomori among many. I, I thought that was Tomori's worst game in a Milan shirt. Uh, got completely abused by Lotaro on that third goal. Um, and right now, I think that this is the culmination of what I'm just going to say has been a an awful week for Milan. They, they went out of the Copa to Torino, but then I talked about this on Thursday. I mean, how serious were they about that Copa game when you take a look at the lineup that Pioli put out there in the first place and experimenting with a 3-5-1-1? Um, so... The the dreadful start against Lecce, hard enough to get anything at Lecce this season, and then cool. to to show up unprepared and make them look good. You're you're not going to beat Lecce at Lecce doing that. No. Um, but let's let's break down this Supercopa because I think that you know we well the, the game. It, I think the game itself is a reflection of you know. Milan just right now going through that bad period that every team will go through at a certain point in the season. And Inter, when you take a look at the results that they're starting to accumulate, finding themselves in an ascendancy here. That's that's really what this game reflected to me. Yeah, and you know, this game is and always has been a glorified friendly. Um, you know, even when you know Milan were in the finals, it's we thought it was all the same thing. This this game does really two things. What it does is gives you a trophy, right? Which yep. is good. And gives you confidence, you know, that your season's going well. So, like, Inter started the second half of the season fantastic. And to knock off Napoli and Milan within, like, a week's time, yeah. that has to go the confidence through the roof. I mean, yeah. Artara started the second half season brilliant. Uh, the team's playing brilliant. I mean, that goal DiMarco scored was fantastic. Goal of the week for me. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not even the league, but it's a goal of the week for me. Um, yeah, me too. That, that does their confidence a, a world a world right there. Um yeah, the game doesn't really mean much. You don't want to get anybody injured, right? But Milan continue to struggle. They have been, and this shows in this game. A team like Inter just going to pick you apart. Um, are they going to be too worried about the loss? No, but this is going to do Inter so much more good than it does Milan bad, I think. Um, Inter just going to continue to feast and feel strong about their chances of coming back into the Scudetto hunt uh, and possibly you know nipping it at the end if they can catch uh, Napoli. So, yeah, it's, it's a game I've never really been too crazy about, but I think Inter were fantastic in the game. Kudos to them. Hats off. Uh, they played brilliantly. They showed up for uh, the game. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just uh, an interesting interesting result, no doubt, because I don't I don't think anybody, maybe a few people thought it would be a spanking by either team, uh, but not, Inter certainly brought it. They certainly spanked Milan in this one. Yeah, I mean, they deserve the win here. You know, and I think that this is reflective of – a lot of questions were being asked about Simone Inzaghi for a while here, but I think those got answered uh, pretty positively over the last couple of weeks. And I think that Inter had their dip. You know, we talked about this. Everybody's going to go through a bad period at some point during the season. And at some point, Napoli's going to even go through their bad period. Okay. Um, 47 points, 18 games in, in league is a really difficult. Yeah. That, that's really difficult for him. That's over two and a half, well over two and a half points per game. That's a very difficult and level Inter, of form to Inter sustain. has the best chance at the domestic double out of anybody in the league now. 
I agree. Yeah, because Napoli got knocked out by Cremonese yesterday. Um, so Inter are in a in a nice, lengthy, unbeaten run. They're starting to find a little bit of a groove. They're starting to score more goals. They're kind of getting back to being what Inter looked like at the beginning of last season under Inzaghi, where they were just shredding everybody. Yep. Um, and I, I, you're starting to see that confidence, you know, turn up uh, with them. So it's like they've they've got things figured out. They've regrouped and they're on the way back up. They have a goalie you know? too. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's part of the other thing. Part of the other thing. Everybody's been talking about it. Onana should be playing over Handanovic. Absolutely. And and he's showing why. Um, you know, Anthony points out Chalanola was very good in this game. Yep. I can agree with that. Um, I thought DiMarco was terrific. I thought Darmian was reasonably good. Um, uh, you know, so I thought the wingbacks played really well. The forwards, obviously, each getting on the score sheet was helpful. Um you know, and I thought Barella was was very influential as well. Obviously, the assist Beautiful. Uh, on the DiMarco goal, timing the run so that he stayed onside. So um, you know, and, and and getting that going was was uh, was definitely good. So I think Inter is at the point now where you know they peaked first half of 2021-22 season. Found their way into that valley just a little bit, stayed in there a little bit, but now they're back in the ascendancy. I said, Milan's now in the valley. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, and I got into a lot of fights with a lot of Milan Twitter people because they're saying, well, it's been like this for 90 days. Haven't you been watching? I said, yeah. And in those 90 days, they won a lot of games. And I said, part of, part of a 38 game campaign is you're going to have to win some games ugly. Some results are going to happen that you didn't play the greatest, but at the end of the day, you've got three points. Okay. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin. We're in the business of winning. Okay. Yeah. And- sole goal for this time without Magnon is to stay relevant. You know, stay in the games, win what you can, get get points. When, yeah. when Magnon comes back, if you're within a punching distance, you have a chance. That's the, gonna be the big goal for them. Can they? I don't know. Ciprian uh, Tatarasano is not the greatest keeper, and he probably missed a couple goals that he kind of saved in this whole stretch. But he's doing okay. The team's doing okay. It's just they they're in a funk. <laughs> He's had games where he's been good. I will say this, though, you know, in in support of some things Milan Twitter is saying, I, it has not been a good couple of weeks for him. No. Um, but there has been some games where he has helped. I mean, it's just it's like, I mean, it, it's a number two. You're going to you're going to have some good times and you're going to have some bad times. You just hope you have a few more good times than bad. Um, you know, and yeah, it, at that point where you get Mignon back and, and people would say Mirante or, or Vasquez, the guy they just signed. We're not at training every day to see what's going on, okay? The the coaches are, the goalkeeper coaches are. They're giving the evaluations. They're looking at everything, and they're probably all in unison saying, we still got to go with Tatrasano. The other two guys aren't going to help us. Um, there was a time where Mirante was getting clean sheets left and right in Serie A, but he was a lot younger back then. So, um, you know, so there's that. There's the the cause for concern with the defense suddenly finding a way to struggle, and then I think some other things that Milan they think they think that Milan are starting to jam it into layout a little bit too much, um, and that there isn't an you know to the failure to find an answer on the right hand side to balance that out is concerning. I'll agree with that in part. I saw it in the Champions League, most notably when they were at Stamford Bridge at Chelsea. Chelsea shaded their shape over to Leao and dared Milan to beat them with their right-hand side. Um, and Milan couldn't do it. 
so yeah, dude, that probably is a relevant argument at this point. Um, because if, if layouts misfiring, then what are you going to do? Um, you don't want to end up being these, one of these teams that's dependent upon one player. Um, Brahim Diaz played like he was fighting for his job at the beginning of the season. But now he see now that he thinks he seems to have the job, I think he's kind of gotten back to old Brahim. Mm-hmm. And Deketelare is not threatening him enough. Yeah. Um, that's worrying. Um, consistency out of the center backs. I mean, the Lecce game, you take a look at it. I mean, the first goal, under hit pass by Pierre Kalulu, something that you see a nine-year-old do. Um, that's what led to all of that. Okay. It happens. Yep. Not something you're not something you're going to see be a common occurrence, but it happens, you know, but it's an issue of the, the, how quick can Milan get out of this so that they can contend to your point. Can they stay relevant, continue to stay relevant with, with Tatrasanu and goal and, and Milan Twitter and my fellow Milan fans, I'm just going to say to you, look, this is a Milan that's just going to need to find ways to win in the interim until key pieces can come back until they can put all the components together. All right. They've also been found out a little bit. Um, They've got to adjust to that. So I'm not pushing the panic button. And another reason why I'm not pushing the, pushing the, uh, pushing the panic button. Easy for me to say. There's only been 18 games. There's 20 more games to go. Yep. I mean, we don't normally don't say that in January, but we had a World Cup that interrupted everything. Yep. You know, we're by this time of year, we've probably seen about twenty-two or twenty-three games, and we're looking at this and we're saying, "Yeah, oh shit, we're in trouble." Okay. Um, Tuesday's game at Lazio becomes huge now. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, more so for keeping separation from fifth and sixth, and just maintaining their Champions League position than chasing Napoli. You don't want to get you know, add lots you and invite them into this party at this point. <laughs> no. Um, so, and lots of, I've been damn good at home against good teams. Yeah. So that's another, that's another thing. But I mean, the things that you got to do to fix Milan is they've got to get, they've got to get back to playing team football. They've got to get back to playing quickly. Um, they've got to get back to Tonali playing to a level where he can boss the midfield as he does. Um, and they need more play from the 10 than what Brian's giving them. Um, and hopefully get something serviceable enough from the right-hand side so that Milan's not forced to be predictable. Um, you know, hopefully things turn around. We'll have to see. What do you think about you? You're a Milan fan. Talk about what you see. I think it's better to have this bad patch now than it is a month from now because a month from now you're looking at champions league if they can f- figure it out sort it out before Magnon gets back and then once he's back great point. go ahead and play in the champions league they got all this confidence now especially to get some wins against some big teams go on, uh, on the way there so yeah it's, yeah it's it's a lot of teams tend to struggle at different times of the year especially in the middle time of the year milan not ha- usually wait till the end of the year to struggle but they're doing it right now Let's see, like you said, how quickly can they come out of it? I'm not worried at the moment. Um, a lot of players are misfiring. A lot of a lot of key players are making uncommon mistakes, but it is what it is. Let's see what they can do. If they want to be champions, they have to earn it, and they got to crawl their way to get points and win and three three points, one point every game 
uh, if they want to have a chance at, at the title again. If they're, you know, otherwise they're, they're going to look off as one off a one off team. You know, one last year and what have done for me lately. Uh, but if they can fight back and get within arm's reach of, of Napoli, that'll say a lot about their character. We'll see. Teams go through this. It's just, yeah. it's just Every a team. fact. I mean, yeah. we're waiting for Napoli to calm down, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, technically, this is their bad patch because they've lost two of their last three games, right? They lost to Inter, they beat Juve, and they lost to Cremonese. But, you know. But, I mean, they beat Cremonese. With, or they lost to Cremonese with a completely changed team. No, for sure. Yeah. So, it's just like it's almost that the, the game, that game in and of itself was a write-off. I mean, I mean, you take a look at you take a look at Milan and you dissect this. Okay. And maybe you extend it to 10 days and go back to the Roma draw. Um all right, yeah, awful to have that game finish the way it did, to not have the discipline to carry that game out and not have the discipline to know that Roma's going to be dangerous in those set-piece situations is disappointing. But Torino, Pioli lined out a 3-5-1-1, threw a bunch of different guys out there, and Milan still got 34 shots off in that game. Um, created an abundance of chances. Vanya Milinkovic-Savic was outstanding. Okay, the Lecce game giving up an own goal really, really early in the game psychologically is going to damage you, especially at a place like Lecce where it's really tough to get a result. Um, out of all of the big teams, the only teams that have wins at Lecce are Juventus, and that was a 1-0 win, and then Inter the first week of the season, and they got that winning goal at the very last minute of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, so they, they, they help Lecce. And then they fall, you know, they fall behind in the set piece, and set piece defense continues to claim Milan, plague Milan. We've talked about this all the time. It's a easy way to beat them, but you have to look at the balance of that game and how they recovered to the two-two draw and had chances to go on and win the game and say, okay, that result sucked. Nice to get that recover for that point, but really we should have walked out of there with a win if we had our heads on straight. And then this Super Cup, I. Were they invested in it? I mean, I mean, the Lazio game on Tuesday is going to tell a lot here. Yes, they go to the Olimpico and beat Lazio. Then we can look at this Supercopa and say, okay, yeah, they didn't care. Yep. Okay, and then we, you know, and it'll probably maybe be a continuation of the form they showed in the second half against Lecce. Um, that's what I anticipate seeing. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um. Lazio is going to be a really good test for Milan. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that you got to worry about, the first mistake that Milan makes, and if they fall behind in this game, that's going to be a problem. And if that happens, Lazio goes on and wins the game because with how Milan are running and with what teams go through in this in a, in a moment like this, they, they, that's hard to recover from. So, And if so they go we'll out and see. lose to Lazio 3 nothing. Eyes will be open and be like, okay, something's going on here. We need to fix immediately if you want to have a chance at top four at this point. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Big tests. Big tests. But I'm I'm keeping my optimism. There's still 20 games to play. There's a lot yeah. still in play. So I'm not jumping off a building like most of these Milan Twitter guys who are talking about, well, Champions League is in jeopardy. So many people are saying Champions League is in jeopardy after today's game, a Super Cup that has nothing to do with their chances of getting into the Champions League. Can you believe that? I even asked people. I was like, "So, do, so second, being, sitting in second right now gets taken away from us for losing this game." Yeah. You look actually had somebody <clears throat> arguing, saying being nine points out, and then I came back and I said, "I said there's still 20 games left," and then they said, "Well, 
being out by double digits isn't a good sign. It's like nine points is double digits. These are who, I mean, just so we have a scope of who I got into conversations with on Twitter today. I hate that anybody can have a Twitter account. <laughs> uh, that's why I say off Twitter. <laughs> How is nine points double digits? You didn't know? Inflation, Frank. Inflation. <laughs> there you go, I guess. <laughs> Uh, only those in the states will get that. <laughs> uh, assess interest title credentials, though. Let's come back to them real quick. I mean, th- this is a very, very good two week run we talked about. I think they're back to peak, getting, getting, getting back towards a peak here and, and getting out of a valley. I, that's right. That's where I sit with Inter, and I think even ten points behind Napoli, they're, they're a thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, they are ten points behind Napoli at this point. Um, they beat Napoli already. They beat Milan today. Whatever you want to say about this game, they still beat them. Their confidence is through the roof. Uh, Tata Martinez is on a hot streak. We know he's a streaky player. When he's on, he goes on long benders of goals, goals, goals. And then same, he just came off of a long streak of no goals, right? So maybe this is it for the rest of the season. He's going to be scoring goals. Um, the team has all the confidence in the world. DiMarco is playing really great right now. Uh, every every team member is feeding off each other, getting better. And oh, by the way, Onana is playing really well. This team they they got to be a legit contender. I said, like I said, they had the best chance at a domestic double because uh, they already got the Supercopa. Getting a Scudetto is not out of the question. It's not out of the realm. It's not crazy. Uh, just like San Juventus is getting a, a Super Scudetto is not out, not out of the out of this world. So um, Inter's chances are very real. Uh, and what we've seen, what we saw at the end of the at end of the first half, and now going to the second half, is they're just gonna keep going along, getting victories. Now they're getting you know flashy victories, but they're getting victories nonetheless. They they beat Hellas Verona one nothing also this past week, uh, and so they're just going along, getting the wins. And long come end of the season, what we're going to see is Inter and, and Juventus doing their thing, getting points, and all of a sudden be in the race. And you're like, wait, what? I thought it was just Napoli. Don't don't sleep on Inter. Yeah, I I I think that they're all. I mean. Being that because we've only played 18 games, nothing's really decided yet. Yes, Napoli have a healthy lead. Um, But let's give this a few more match weeks before we start thinking about coronating Napoli. It's a special season that they're having right now. It's a bit of an outlier season the way it's going. Um, They haven't had a bad patch yet. No. Will it come? If it does, what happens, right? They have not had adversity yet and it's going to come because it happens to everybody during the course of a season we said this about inter last year at this time and what happened yep. milan won the title so let's you know let's say that about milan care. right now yep yep so let's not get you know what you see now doesn't mean it's going to carry out for the next five and a half months yep. so mm. all right well let's uh Put those uh, regrouped vocal cords of yours to work and uh, batch us through the rest of what happened over match week 18. Yeah, uh, I would say it's a relegation six-pointer, but Monza are, are a thing now. Uh, they won 3-2 at Cremonese, uh, goals by two goals by Caprari and also Chura. Uh, Churia, excuse me, Ciofani and, and Dessers uh, got the consolation goals for Cremonese. Uh, we talked about Lecce and Milan 2-2 in that game there. Uh, Lecce coming out with two goals early lead and then Milan get two goals late. Uh, still drawn there. Uh, I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, Inter got an early goal by uh, by uh, Lautaro. That's all they would need in that game. Um, Hellas has been strong to come out to the second half, but uh, Inter find ways to win. That's what they're doing right now. That's all that matters. 
so they win one nothing at home in that one. Uh, moving on to Sunday, Lazio, nice win on the road against Sassuolo. Sassuolo started that match really strong, but we saw goals from uh, Zaccagni on the penalty and then Felipe Anderson in the second half. Injury to Immobile. I don't have an update yet. Do you know the update on uh, Immobile's injury? I got nothing. Okay. Well, we'll, that's, we'll why Zakan, that's why Zaccagni took the penalty, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on. Zola, the quietest nine goals you'll see. He scored the goal, the lone goal penalty against Torino. Uh, Spezia win one nothing. They're still getting points somehow. Spezia just quietly, you know, staying afloat. Uh, Udinese, a I would say a shock loss to Bologna. Uh, they got the goal early, goal of the week candidate by Beto uh, early on, but then Bologna would come back through Sansone and Posh late. Uh, Bologna find another way to win. It's uh, two games in a row now. Um, the uh, laugher of the weekend, uh, Atalanta eight. Yes, I said eight to Salernitana. It cost Davide Nicola his job for 24 hours. He got it back, though. Uh, we saw goals from pretty much everybody in the Primavera for, for Atalanta. Uh, this was a horrific performance by Salernitana. Not all the blame is going to go to Ochoa, but it was a thrashing. You want to look at who scored the goals? Go look it up. It's so many players that scored the goals there. Uh, yep. Moving on, Roma Fiorentina, the other big game of the weekend. Uh, Roma went 2 nothing. This one, two goals by Dybala, two Two wonderful goals by the Dybala, especially that first one by the yeah. Layoff by Tammy over to him. Uh, they went 2 nothing as Fiorentina. It helped that Dodo got a stupid red card, two yellows within, what, 20 minutes or something like that. Uh, that kind of helped Roma, who already have – who love to have the ball and have a lot of possession, get even more with 10 men. Uh, they they got 2 nothing, 2 nothing victory there. Uh, there were also games on Monday. Uh, we looked at Empoli winning against uh, Sampdoria. Uh, and Bushi got the goal in the what 59th minute. They won one nothing there. So yeah, uh, lots of goals this week. And uh, what do you want to talk about? Um, Fazio gonna Fazio. That was <laughs> what I had on. Hoyland would just embarrass them on that last goal. How bad? I mean, you know what? I mean, <laughs> there's you know, Bremer and Bremer and Tamori's performances were miserable. Fazio was saying, "Hold my beer." <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we had some really bad center back performances here over the last several days. It's yeah. it's astonishing. Um bottom three, they're like Kyle said, they are woof, they are falling falling. Yeah, down. it's it, we're not even gonna have a relegation contest at this time. Not at this point. Um, you know Sampdoria, man. Sampdoria, I thought, would be the likeliest of the three to get out when they hired Stankovic. Stankovic is kind of putting a little more toughness into this team. Yeah. But it's not showing up in the results just yet. They did get the win at Sassuolo, but everybody's beating Sassuolo right now. Sassuolo's sitting 17th, yeah. um, which makes you wonder if Dionisi's in some trouble here because he's now seen four straight defeats. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's something to monitor. Uh, and I'm going to actually look and see if anything has come up on that because sometimes these provincial clubs, you get the the news can fly under the radar for us. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's something that's, that's concerning. So you're just kind of looking at it from the bottom. I don't think Cremonese can be saved at this point. Um, you know, they just keep digging themselves holes in every game. I saw bits of their game against Hellas Verona before this match week, and it was the same story. You know, they just, you know, they, they, they leave too much space. They concede goofy goals, especially, you know, so. Um, Hellas Verona, same. I mean, Hellas played 
bravely against Inter. Um, but, you know, Lautaro gets that goal two and a half minutes into the match, and uh, that was all she wrote. Um, I'm looking I'm, I'm looking up the Sassuolo stuff as we talk. I don't think Dionisi's been sacked. It would be – but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Um, doesn't look like it. Nope. Not yet. Yeah. Um, not quite yet. So, uh, Spezia is a fascination. They, you know, I was talking about them. They grind out results. They, they're on an unbeaten run right now. Um, when you look at them last unbeaten in their last five, two, I mean, three of them have been draws granted. Um, but they're finding a way to scratch and claw for points. And they were a team that we tipped for relegation. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to see, you know, for, for Spezia supporters, at least what they're doing. I, I, I told you guys Monza would do this. <laughs> so um, so th- their ascent hasn't been terribly surprising for me. They still got a propensity to concede goals as evidenced by yeah. every you know, game. Criminals are coming back. But um, I thought that the talent and what, what BNG accumulated in putting that team together, I said, yeah, this team's definitely staying up. And it's probably going to take some time getting all the pieces to gel and work together. But I think you're finally starting to see um, you're, you're finally starting to see the recruitment and how that team got assembled bear a little more fruit. So, yeah. um, you know, so, so just kind of, kind of scanning across that. And we talked about Lecce, you know, going to Lecce is difficult. Um, it's been difficult on everybody this season. Um, Bologna finding a little bit of a rhythm here under uh, Tiago Mota. Yeah. Uh, and getting themselves up to 12th, I think, is an interesting thing. I think that probably is the nail in the coffin on any prospects that Udinese have on um, Europe. But <laughs> they're nine points out of seventh. Yeah. You know, I say, well, you know, it's, Milan's nine points out of Napoli. So there's 20 games left. How can you, how can you write this off already? No, but they're just like, behind. <laughs> yeah. Udinese's nine points out of the last European place. I I'm a little. I, I feel a little bit better about writing Udinese's European prospects off at this point um, than writing off Milan's title prospects or anybody's title prospects in the top four. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's just the nature of Udinese how they they can drop games that they need to win. You know, if they're going to mount that kind of challenge, I think under Sotil, I think they've consolidated some things. And they've done a nice job. But I also think this is going to be one of those things where they made a nice charge. Season started well, but then now it starts to now it starts to wane out a little bit, and yeah. they find themselves being kind of an eleventh, twelfth place kind of team um, as we go. So, um, did I mention every team? Lazio just continue to find ways to win under Saudi. Um, you know, they they recovered from a couple of defeats. Um, they had that ugly draw against Empoli. They lost mm-hmm. at Lecce. They lost at Juve. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, a, a win at Sassuolo to help them get back on track and kind of get order restored. We'll see how significant the Immobile injury is. Um, but we'll see. It's <clears throat> it's 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 crazy. I You know, um, I would say at this point um, – Nothing here really. I mean, the Atalanta scoring eight against Salernitana did get your obviously gets your attention, but it was also you know I made the comment on Thursday. Atalanta aren't going to miss Ruslan Malinowski. 
Yeah. I said, I think that they have kind of restructured the way they play and the way they play. They don't need a player like a Melanovsky. They don't need a player like an Ilicic. I think their yep. forwards are set to be more guys that stretch you guys that run guys that create a lot of problems and make a lot of clever runs. Mm-hmm. And they don't need a technician in a higher position, especially with the way Cope Miners is playing, which is a point you made earlier. So, and I think that you saw them just absolutely explode against Salernitana, yeah. you know, at this point. So perfect storm. Yep. Um, and then Empoli, uh, you know, finding a way to another win. So, um, I like some of these young pieces on Empoli, by the way. Yeah, um, oh yeah. We sure. talked about Tommaso Baldanzi. Wasn't a particularly great game for him here in this one, but Bandinelli returned. Uh, you know, played in midfield, and Empoli and Sampdoria have some sort of incestual forward thing going on because Lammers was on Empoli to start the season, and Caputo was on Sampdoria, and then when Caputo's on Empoli, back with Empoli, uh, and now Lammers is with Sampdoria. So, um, how bad did Sam Lammers had some promise when he was at Atalanta? It's just not gone anywhere. He's gonna get relegated now. (laughs) There you go. Oh my! He can go lead Serie B next year. There you go. So, so I guess you know I kind of got long winded there, but that's just kind of I was just trying to capture every team as much as possible. Um, there, just kind of my nutshell takes on everybody at this point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Torino are winless in four, but that includes three draws. Um, and another team that's just having a hard time scoring. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's where Milan fans also get really upset about the Coppa Italia loss is because Torino was even on 10 men when they scored that goal. Yeah. You know, when with I go minutes and I look to go, at, with minutes to go. Right. When I go and I look at the scope of the performance and I said, you know what? Just, okay, games like this happen. It just makes you sick that it happens in an elimination match in a cup tournament, but that happens. So, yep. but anyway, those are my thoughts. What did you think about the games? Yeah, uh, interesting results. Obviously, the Napoli Juventus one we, we talked at length when um, Monza continue to find ways to win, like you said. Uh, they're stringing results here quietly in the middle of the, the middle of the of the, uh, the table as our Lecce, two teams who we were thought maybe they could survive this season, and now they look both like a guarantee that they're going to survive. Cremonese being the only one that has looked like they didn't belong whatsoever. Um, Hellas again start have started the second half well, but so far back they really need to start winning instead, as opposed to just playing well. They they can't afford mm-hmm. to just play well at this at this point of the game. Um, yeah, the only really thing you know, Roma winning so emphatically at Fiorentina, I think the red card probably helped, but I think they would have done it anyway. That was surprised. I, I was surprised to see it was that emphatic. I guess. And then the other thing that really surprised me was. Um, how Sassuolo, yes, Lazio are a really good team, but Sassuolo, the decline has been so, it almost came out of nowhere because like, yeah, we knew they're going to be fun bad, but we thought middle of the table, right? They're going to score enough goals, get enough wins that they're going to be fine, but they're, don't look now, yeah, they're still, what, nine points above, you know, the relegation, but they're in 17th place. Dionisi, as much as we like him, he might not be around for long. The team is struggling. They can't find ways to win. They got a lot of talented players there. They just cannot get the results at the moment. They're very similar to what we saw with Cagliari and Genoa last year. Teams with lots of talent but not performing. I don't think they're going to get relegated, but it's something to keep an eye on because 
they got to get out of this. Maybe they're on vacation mode already, but it's a little too early still. There's still 20 games to go or whatever, like it is, like you said. So uh, that's the thing that's going to be eye-opening to me is like, can Sassuolo get out of this little funk that they're in? Or are they just going to dig themselves into, you know, Seti B next season, which you don't want to see because they've been here for a while now. And it's maybe the teams like Milan, Juve, and uh, Inter are going to – wouldn't be mind seeing them go because they're the thorn and such for all those teams. But uh, as much talent as they have, it would be a travesty if they somehow find a way to botch this and get relegated. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But 17th place is – got to pay attention to that. Next five, uh, at Monza. At Milan, hosting Atalanta, at Udinese, and then hosting Napoli. Oh, my goodness. That's a difficult stretch there. Uh, we could. D- d- does Dionisi survive that? No. 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 So I, that we gap expect- will get closer with the bottom. Yeah. We could expect him to get the sack here soon. That's yeah. not going not gonna, to, you know, not going to surprise me if that ends up being the case. Yeah. So. Goal of the week, I think we agreed, was DeMarco. Yeah. Um, can't really say anyone else that – Yeah. I mean, the Rachmani's goal against Juventus was special. I think Osiman's first – that uh, or oh, the, the the second one where Cavado, that beautiful assist, Osiman, yeah. that second goal, that was nice. Beto's goal I liked a lot. Uh, Moret's save, I thought – was big because it was huge at that point in the game. Had Juventus scored, who knows where that game would have gone. Agreed. It could have been 2-2 at halftime. He kept it at 2-1. So that was huge for me. Uh, Osimhen's first goal just because Havarshelia with the, the scissor kick that almost scored and then and Osimhen being in the right place, right time. Ederson's curler for Atalanta was fantastic. And uh, Dybala's first, I mentioned, uh, that Tammy Abraham laid off to him with a great strike there. So, yeah, a lot of good goals. But DiMarco, hands down. Yep, agreed. All right. Well, now that we've done all of that, we are now ready for the world's most popular hashtag game. Been a couple weeks since we've been able to crank this out. It is now time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. All right. Starting it off is uh, Art Morelli, uh, Art Morelli parody account here. Uh, He says, uh, this is the new Inter third kit they released for the Napoli match today is absolute fire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right, Big Show, as always, finds his way on the board. Characters whose plans always fail miserably. Who's the first guy? Is that? I don't know that guy, honestly. Oh. Well, you got Tom from Tom and Jerry. You got Wiley Coyote. And then there's Luciano Spalletti. So <laughs> that's another point when you talk about Napoli. I'm telling you, I mean, it's it's still, and I mentioned this on Thursday, Spalletti is the manager. It is. Until yeah. he gets, you know, just like Pioli, until he gets it over the top, we are not wrong in assuming otherwise. Yep. But it could be his year. Could be his year. All right. Yep. Apex nominated this next one here. It's uh Bremer versus Napoli. And it's absolutely awful. <laughs> Very nice. hundred percent. hundred percent. Very nice. Okay. Oh. So now moving on, we have, uh, so I, I nominated this one. Uh, so this came out actually on Instagram because that's a zealous sport that came out and said that Bruno Fernandez was uh, after the match uh, that they won. They said, you know, we don't even need uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. And, and talking, they're saying basically that Bruno was bashing Cristiano Ronaldo. So Bruno Fernandez responded to that and was like, first of all, you need to learn English so you can translate properly because that's not at all what I said. You know, he's talking about how he, he said, I does nothing about Cristiano Ronaldo. I was talking about how we're playing really well right now. You know, it's like, no. Hold your place, mind your business, don't talk about me. And he's been known to do this against Gazetta de la Sport. And then Gazetta tried to kind of respond with whatever. But 
the fact that Bruno Fernandez calling out because that's a little sport who's been known to fabricate shit all the time. Good for Bruno Fernandez, so he got the nomination. Okay. Jerry's nominating uh, Big Show. When you lose the COVID, but remember you have the Winter Scudetto, Moral Scudetto, and Balanced Books Scudetto. <laughs> oh, okay. Right on. Right on. <laughs> All right. What do we got here? That's not one. Well, that's just an ad. Okay. Let's see. The Deuce. Uh, this is just a comment here. So, Italian Football News said 10 man Cremonese have knocked out Napoli. And then everyone on Hula Coucher with Twitter knows that the greatest Copa was in 2020. Uh, did you see Napoli's lineup distractful? Yeah. It, was, it wasn't. They, they weren't in it. They thought they were going to walk over a Cremonese and it didn't happen. Sure. Uh, at Calcio England, here's my prediction for Easter. <laughs> The next Bugs kit. Bunny eating a carrot, and this is a play on because of Napoli's kit for Valentine's Day. It has like lip, yeah. it's like white and red, and it's got like lipstick and yeah, all of that. Okay, looks like the it looks like uh uh what's that? Oh my god, the, the greatest rock and roll band ever. What um Rolling Stones looks Rolling like one Stones. of their albums. Yeah, yeah. So on that theme, the next one comes from out of, out of context. Napoli says, "Which one do you prefer for uh for Easter? You got uh <laughs> you got this one here." <laughs> oh, you got this kid here with the pie. Artichoke. <laughs> this one with, with Jesus on it. Or this one with the, another one with the pie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. We like that. Very good. Yeah, Very yeah. good. Okay. So at Kilpin Chronicle, me and the boozer later. Who's controlling that? Where's our standards gone? <laughs> he nailed us too. Where's he... the passion gone? What the fuck <laughs> are we doing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he called it 12 hours before the game. He said that Milan's going to be down to two nothing at halftime. So, yep. All right. Yep. Lisi nominating this next one. This comes from uh, Milanello. I says, okay, so the original tweets were, uh, I really don't get it, man. He's losing the locker room. Inner playing so well, prepared, sharp, blah, blah, blah. Lisi says, I think Pioli's, Pioli's cooked. And then Milanello says, that's what happens when something's on fire for so long it gets cooked. Pioli's on fire. Pioli's overcooked now. <laughs> all right i like it i like it not bad not bad okay so we got uh rocco at rocco the comic uh the uh the new adidas kits that came out at rocco the comic and this is very true the white jersey is inspired by the marble tile that 97 percent of italians have in the living room so no one is allowed to use <laughs> <laughs> nice nice all right uh moving on violismo AC Milan last year, Leicester City. This year. <laughs> Zing, right? Zing. All right. And coming back to Violismo, uh, <laughs> when you win a useless trophy that will be used as an umbrella stand in the Inter headquarters, moreover in Saudi Arabia with zero Italian fans at the stadium, but the opponent was Pioli. Uh, yeah. 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 That's Jose Mourinho on the when Porto knocked United out of the uh, Champions League. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's the last, last, last one. Oh. All right, what you got? Oh, man. It's kind <laughs> of a meh. Who won Calcio Twitter this week? To, to yeah, be honest. I, I would. I, I think I'm going to give it to one of the two Napoli jersey ones. And I like this one better just because I had more options. Both yeah, I like the no context Napoli. I'm with you there. I think I think that's the winner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that was pretty good. That's out. All right, I'll go ahead and declare that the winner. No, at no context Napoli. Congratulations, you won Calcio Twitter this week. Uh, why don't while I type it in, uh, why don't you uh, say a few words to the people? 
Um, say a few words for people. Uh, well, welcome back to the league. Is back in session now. Here we got a lot of big games going on. Um, yeah, it's it's getting interesting here. Uh, see who's gonna run away to the league. I don't know, but uh, we're gonna try to stay on top of it as best we can. This is the silly season. Obviously, we're gonna try to ignore all the rumors that happen here in the January window. Lots of rumors. Usually, nothing really of substantial trades or signings happen. Typically, maybe see one or two. England's going nuts right now with spending 130 million euros so far, or whatever the hell they're spending over there. But uh, City, yeah, you, you probably won't see many, many things. Maybe smart moves like Napoli with Berezinski that we've already seen. But uh, don't expect anything too crazy from the teams. I would say uh, coming here. So if you see the rumors, you're gonna get Haaland or whatever. Just relax. Just wait till it becomes official on your their team site. Then you can believe it. So just yeah. relax. Try to ignore the the comments. I like that Berezinski transfer to Napoli. Oh, yeah. One, Berezinski yeah, yeah. gets out of that Sampdoria nightmare. Two, Napoli gets cover for Di Lorenzo. Yeah, 100%. Um, so uh, I thought that was a clever get for them. Um, I think Zielinski might have had a hand in that too. And hey, yeah, I know somebody. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. You know, and I'm just kind of going through this. Inter have done nothing. Napoli getting Berezinski. Uh, Juve bringing up a guy from uh, an English young Englishman from uh, Juve next Getty, uh, so uh, one of their young next generation teams. Mm-hmm. Solbakken, Ola Solbakken coming from Bodo Glimp to right winger from Bodo Glimp to uh, Roma, um, decent player. Yep. Um, uh, Fiorentina shipping Yusuf Mala to Lecce, uh, Atalanta not getting anybody new. Mm. Um, Hellas Verona getting uh, a couple of guys from Germany. Um, Deo Vecio uh, Zeifik uh, from Hertha and uh, Jaden Braff uh, from Borussia Dortmund's second team. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of those guys. Mateus Martins from Fluminense to Udinese, a uh, 19-year-old left winger from Brazil. Uh, like we said, Caputo went back to Empoli. Lammers went back to Sampdoria. Nightink uh, went from Udinese to Sampdoria. Ederson uh, new for Atalanta? What's that? Is Ederson new for Atalanta? He was the, he got there over the summer. Okay. Um, Spezia getting Jean Moutinho, not that one. Um, the one from MLS in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salvatore Esposito, Simon, Zer- uh, Simon Zerkowski. Uh, so they reloaded a little bit. Salernitana got Memo Ochoa, as we've seen. Uh, Cavilia, who scored, um, uh, was it Benacer was extended? Uh, rumors are that Liao is going to be extending as well, but uh, we'll see until it's official. We don't know. That's right. Alex Ferrari joined uh, Cremonese from Sampdoria on loan, and that is the extent of what's been going on in Syria. I've been a pretty quiet Mercato so far, yeah. so um, yeah, and uh, Anthony's point, yeah, we're all we're all waiting. Uh, for Leao to sign the extension to stay in Milan. So we'll see what happens. Yep. But with all that said, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Um, we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So if you want to listen to us on the radio and you want to hit podcast, download it on those channels. Uh, have at it. We're also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there are podcasts, you can find Serie A Sit Down. Uh, if you are watching us here on our YouTube channel for the first time, please subscribe, uh, drop a like if you enjoyed the content, and hit the notification bell because you'll always uh, get heads up from us uh, when we are live and you can join us. 
um, at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, connect with us there with your thoughts on the uh, good and bad and ugly of City I. Uh, any questions that you have, any future topics you want to carry, those those are great places to find us. You can find us on Facebook too, but we don't check that very often. And we'll start so. writing some more on SiriaSitdown.com. Check that out. We'll, we'll, oh, yeah, we've got way. a website. Sityasitdown.com. We are going to put some blog entries in there. Uh, we're going to do some, uh, we'll probably have some video links in there as well, too. So uh, plenty of stuff for you to see there. Uh, and um, yeah, so uh, check us out on any of those or just come back to us here on our YouTube channel. We appreciate the support. So chat, thank you guys for all chiming in and offering your input and uh, and, and comments. We appreciate all of you. We appreciate all of you taking the time to watch or listen to us. Uh, we will be back next week, probably Tuesday. Yep. All right. Back Tuesday night. And hopefully Alex down will be back. He's had some, uh, sports radio commitments, uh, down where he is in Miami with the uh, pro sports teams down there. But, um, uh, on behalf of him, he gives you all his best and uh, will be hopefully be back with us next week as well. So we will see you on Tuesday night. Until then, for Richard and for Frank, I'm Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Too much I, I didn't have to do this last week. For Richard, I'm Frank. Be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.